phrasing right now. Um, before I start, before I pray, I just want to say hello to a, a good friend of ours, Neil Lozano. Neil Lozano, wave your hand for us there. Neil Lozano, yes, say hello to Neil. Neil Lozano is the executive director of Heart of the Father Ministries. He's the one that taught many of us the unbound prayer ministry, the unbound prayer model. So we welcome you here to Neil. Thank you for your work, and we praise God for all the fruit of your labors, even among our church. So let's, uh, let's pray together. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Yes, it's a little cold, um, but we thank you for the warmth that you bring. We thank you for the comfort that you offer us, even as the new year approaches. Lord, thank you that your blessings are new with each day. Um, we thank you for your grace. Now, Lord, we want to thank you for uh, the unity that you give to us as a very diverse uh, church, not only throughout this nation, but throughout the world. Lord, as we focus in on that topic, I just pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, may be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Move your spirit among us, that we may learn of you, that we may hear the words that you speak to our hearts through your scripture. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen. So, if you have a if you have a Bible or a Bible app, uh, we'll be in Romans chapter fifteen today. Um, it's been a little while since I've been up here to blow the rust out a little bit. Um, so, I will be preaching from the book of Romans chapter fifteen. And since we're preaching towards the end of the book, what I would like to do is to give a little bit of a summary of the book. It's really important for us to understand why. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, the book of Romans. Instead of me summarizing it, I want to use several videos from the Bible Project. <clears throat> These videos they'll take about five minutes, give a really good summary of the book of Romans. I think, to be quite honest with you, they can do a better job than I can. When I teach people how to read the Bible, I go, I've been using these videos quite a bit lately. They're a good reminder that while the Bible is written for us, it is not written directly to us. The book of Romans was written to the church in Rome. Now, because the Bible was written a long time ago and to a completely different audience, many believers, especially young believers that I talk to, find it very challenging to know how the Word of God, the Bible, speaks to them, how God uses the Bible to speak to them directly. And these videos are a great help when we're exploring that kind of topic, so I want to recommend them to you. So we're going to watch three videos right in a row, and then I will be back. Bible. And so he started going by his Roman name, Paul, and he traveled all around the ancient Roman Empire, telling people about the risen King Jesus, and forming his followers then into these new communities called churches. And Paul would occasionally write letters to these new Jesus communities to help them foster their faith or answer questions, and the book of Romans is one of these. It was actually written quite late in his career. Now, we know from the book of Acts that the church in Rome had existed for some time, that it was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. 
But at one point, the Roman emperor Claudius had expelled all of the Jewish people from Rome. And then about five years later, all of those Jews, including Jesus-following Jews, were allowed to return. And when they did, they found a church that had become very non-Jewish in custom and practice. And so this created lots of tension. So that by Paul's day, the Roman church was divided. People disagreed about how to follow Jesus. They were debating about whether non-Jewish Christians should celebrate the Sabbath or eat kosher or be circumcised. And so Paul wrote this letter to accomplish a few things. He wanted this divided church to become unified. And for a practical purpose, he was hoping that the Roman church could become a staging ground for his mission to go even further west all the way to Spain. And so these circumstances are what motivated Paul to write out his fullest explanation of the gospel, the good news that he was announcing about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, the letter is designed to have four main movements, but it's unified as one long-flowing exploration of the gospel. The gospel, Paul says, first of all, reveals God's righteousness, and then it also creates a new humanity, which fulfills God's promise to Israel. And so it's this gospel that's going to unify the church. Paul's letter to the Romans. Check out the first video where we explored who Paul was and why he wrote this letter and where we trace the core ideas of chapters 1 through 4. That all humanity is hopelessly trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. That this rescue is not going to happen by people trying to obey the laws of the Torah. Rather, God's righteous character has moved him to rescue the world through Jesus' death and resurrection so that he could create a faith-based multi-ethnic family of Abraham as his people. Now, in the remaining three movements of the letter to the Romans, Paul is going to develop these ideas even more. So remember, Paul's exploration of justification by faith, that when people trust Jesus' death and resurrection was for them, they're given a new status, the right with God, they're placed in a new family, the covenant people of Abraham, and they're given a new future, the hope of a transformed life. Now Paul wants to show how this reality should reshape every part of our existence because being in this family means being a part of a new humanity. into the final section of the book, chapters 12 through 16. But remember the big picture. Because of their faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now together, Abraham's family, that new humanity that's being transformed by God's spirit. And so this is how God's fulfilling his ancient promises. Therefore, the only reasonable response is for these Jews and non-Jewish Christians to be unified as the church. In chapters 12 to 13, he shows that this unity will come from a commitment to love and forgive each other. Love will look like everybody using their diverse gifts and talents to serve one another in the church. And it will also mean humility and forgiveness. When these different ethnic groups and cultures come together in Jesus, conflict is inevitable. And it can only be overcome through the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. This is how they will show the greatest of Christian virtues, love, which fulfills the Torah's greatest commands to love God and love your neighbor as yourself.
In chapters 14 and 15, he focuses specifically on the issues that are creating ethnic divisions in the Roman church. These are disputes about the Jewish food laws and the Sabbath. And Paul says these practices don't define who's in or out of Jesus's family. And if people differ over these culturally important but non-essential issues, they need to learn how to respect each other's differences. And it's in this way that love will heal and unify Jesus's family. So yeah, that, I think that just gives such a great summary of the book of Romans. So we are at the end. We are at chapter 15. If you want to open your Bibles, I'll be reading through verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written... The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Today, I want to thank God uh, that New Life is such a diverse church. We are old and young, rich and poor, conservative and liberal, black and white, and every skin tone in between. We are a family of many nations, African and African American, Latino, European, and Asian. And we should thank God every single Sunday that we come together because only His grace could create such a new humanity. So as we celebrate our diversity at New Life Church, we also have to recognize that it's very challenging for a diverse group like ours to live together and to be on mission together. And with this in mind, I want to focus our attention on one main idea from Romans 15. The idea is this. It's actually in the back of your bulletin. Pursuing Christian unity, it creates displeasure. Pursuing Christian unity creates displeasure. And I want to try to convince you, as the Apostle Paul is doing, that this type of displeasure is actually, ironically, a very good thing. Although, as Americans, we try to avoid pain at all costs, this type of displeasure is necessary for the unity of the body of Christ. So I want to ask uh, two questions of our scripture who actually experiences this displeasure, and why is it necessary? The who and why of Christian displeasure, if you will. So the first question, who experiences this type of displeasure? Well, simply put, from the scripture we read, it is the strong in faith. From the videos, you saw that the Jews were kicked out of Rome. And when they came back, the church in that city looked more Gentile in culture than Jewish. Now, that must have meant many different things, but I'm sure it meant that the Gentile Christians in Rome were not following any of the dietary laws in the Torah in the Old Testament. They might have even been eating pork, which is a huge no-no for for Jewish, even Jewish Christians. And they were probably not following the Sabbath. They were probably not 
treating the seventh day as special to them. Every day was probably the same. So now we see why it was so hard for the Jewish Christians to come back home to their home church in Rome. The church, with all of its cultural differences, made them feel out of place. It made them feel foreign. So to gain some type of equilibrium, they do, they did what we all do when we feel uncomfortable, when we feel out of balance. We rely on our own culture. We focus on our own culture, our rules, our norms. The Jewish Christians became weak in their faith with their focus on food and drink and days of the week. And Paul states very clearly in Romans 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, in response to these weaker Christians, those who were strong in faith started arguing and belittling their weaker faith. And the result was division in the Roman church. And in an attempt to resolve this division, the Apostle Paul insists that one of these groups has to experience displeasure. In order for there to be unity, the strong in faith must be willing to suffer. Now, if you think about it, that's actually pretty shocking. You would think that the Apostle Paul would demand that those who are weaker in faith would make the necessary changes, but he doesn't. He puts his finger and he says, it must be the strong in faith who serve the weaker. So in all cultural situations that have the the potential to divide the body of Christ, Paul demands the strong in faith must make the sacrifice of love. And he demands that of, of us today. So here's a simple test to figure out if you're strong in faith the way the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 15. Do you believe that God's righteousness, that is his perfection in every attitude, every behavior, every word, has anything to do with our culture? Has anything to do with all these rules and norms that every culture has that separates it from another culture or If you compare one culture to another, we all have these norms. Do you think those norms have anything to do with the righteousness of God? If the answer is yes, then you're wrestling with being weaker in faith. The answer is no, no, then Paul would say you're stronger in your faith. And again, the stronger in faith must serve the weaker. The ultimate answer is, The reason this is the case is the ultimate answer to the question, who must experience the displeasure of the gospel is Jesus Christ himself. You you can take that off. Everybody's looking up at the screen wondering what's coming up. Just a little hint there for you. Who must experience the displeasure of God, the displeasure of Christian unity? Jesus Christ himself. Verse 3. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Jesus Christ was willing to take reproach upon himself, the shame and the sin and the disapproval of others. 
The ultimate example is the cross. Jesus Christ is the only perfect human being who has ever walked the face of this planet. And compared to Jesus, we are all weak in faith. So if the strongest person in human history was willing to experience this type of displeasure, then so must we if we are going to follow him, if we are going to be strong in our faith. We are meant to follow Jesus Christ to the cross, into his death, in order to see the resurrection power of love in Christian unity. Now, to understand how truly challenging this was for Christians in Rome, it's important to understand Roman society. The backdrop for all of this is the shame that the Jewish people often felt in that society. We've already heard the story of how these Jews were kicked out of Rome. Romans looked down upon Jews for all their weird rules, especially about food. Now, so imagine this kind of conversation in ancient Rome between a Gentile unbeliever and a Gentile Christian. The unbeliever says, yo, why don't you come on over to my family's house tonight? My wife is cooking up some really good barbecue, you know, the kind you like, that spicy rub on the pork, slow-cooked for hours. It's going to be great. Why don't you come over? In response, the Gentile Christian says, I'm sorry, I would love to come over, but I don't eat pork anymore. What do you mean you don't eat pork? You love pork. Well, I know, but I gave it up because it's offensive to my Jewish brothers in the church where I go. You've got to be kidding me. You're giving up pork for the Jews. I don't even know what to say to that. This is the kind of shame that Gentile Christians in Rome had to endure outside in the world, outside of the church, to show what unity in the body of Christ was always what it was, was all about. These Gentile Christians, the ones who were stronger in faith, they knew the kingdom of God ultimately had nothing to do with eating pork or not eating pork. They had to be willing to endure shame. Love demands displeasure, suffering, and sacrifice. It demands being like Christ in his death, waiting upon the power of his resurrection. So that's question number one. Who experiences this displeasure? Question number two, why is it necessary? Why is experiencing this displeasure important? Well, we've answered that in part. It's necessary for us to be like Christ in his death. But there's more to it. We as Christians, we don't experience pain just for pain's sake. There's more to it. Jesus, in his death and resurrection, has created a new humanity in his church. Verses 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants this new humanity to have one voice, to worship and, and bring him an abundance of glory. It's like the first part of our mission statement. As a family following Jesus Christ in the city, we will worship God as one with the voices of the nation. We will worship God as one with the voices of the nations. 
God is taking all the nations of the world, bringing them together as one family, as one humanity, with one voice to glorify him in worship. That is what gives God great pleasure. So, the question is, for us here at New Life Church, are we bringing maximum glory to God at New Life in the midst of our diversity and differences? Now, I won't even get into our differences over politics. Lord knows we're all tired of talking about politics in this country. Let's just talk about our Sunday morning worship service. Are we truly worshiping God with one voice at New Life Church? Well, I think we've made great strides. I think we've been working at it for a while. But at the same time, I think we certainly have a ways to go. So I would like to speak to what I think is the elephant in the room. What seems so obvious if you come here every single week and you just pay a little bit of attention and you look around is that a large percentage of our youth and young adults, not all, but a big number, are bored on Sunday morning. I look around. I see it. I don't think it's all a great mystery as to why they get bored at times. They do not believe, as I've talked to them, as I've talked to uh, the leaders, they do not believe their voices are being heard at New Life Church. Our Sunday service, with all of its elements, does not exactly represent their culture. Now, this is a broader discussion, one that I think we have to have in 2018. I think this is going to be a very important discussion for us to have. But for now, I just want to talk simply about style of music. What kind of style of music do we have in worship? Does it reflect our youth and young adults? Well, there there are, I know for a fact that there are youth and young adults who enjoy singing hymns. And we, we sing a fair amount of hymns. I know some of the youth in our church like the music we sing. But I do want to make the argument that our music doesn't necessarily, necessarily represent their style of music. So I've asked around, and uh, I put together a little bit of music. We're going to sample that. You saw it coming up. So um, you want to put that up for me, Lee? Um, All right, I just, these are, what I want you to do is just listen to this. I've, I've included the lyrics. Just a sample. This is not, this does not represent all music that our youth listens to, but it represents a snapshot, okay? I included the lyrics. I just want you to listen to the style of music, okay? Okay. Matter, I know it, I know it, I know I'm hurt deep down, but can't show it. I never had a place to call my own. I never had a home. Ain't nobody calling my phone. Where you been? Where you at? What's on your mind? They say every life precious, but nobody care about mine. I've been on the low. I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. Who can relate? Woo! I've been on the low. I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die today. You don't gotta die. 
There we go. Uh, point, point proven. All right, second. That song actually was written. The, the 1-800 number is a suicide hotline. So he wrote that. Uh, second one. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. I was told when I get older, all my fears would shrink. But now I'm insecure, and I care what people think. My name's Blurry Face, and I care what you think. My name's Blurry Face, and I care what you think. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. When the mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. All right, one more. You know, I'm sorry I won't make it to your party. Got caught up in my own selfishness. It won't let me be a part of this. And I know I've started drifting off every second i can't wait to leave as soon as i arrive i count the seconds down and down we go we'll touch this place we know before one of us takes a chance and breaks this i won't be the one no i little bit different, right, than what maybe we sing on Sunday morning, the style of music. I just think it's very important for us to, to understand all the cultures that are represented in our church. According to the scripture in Romans 15, the general principle being put forward is this. Those who are strong in faith must be willing to make the sacrifice, to experience displeasure in order for there to be unity in the church. In this example of musical style, who is the strong in faith? Well, it could be the youth and young adults themselves. This is what it would look like for the youth and young adults to be strong in your faith. You need to recognize that change doesn't happen overnight. For New Life to change the music it sings, the style in which it sings it, it'll take time, it'll take discussion, it'll take these moments in the church service where if you're the youth and young adults... You may be slightly bored. To be strong in your faith means you're going to re-engage re at that moment into the worship service. To be strong in faith means you're going to keep the discussion alive. You're going to keep your voice being heard so we can have an honest discussion. And this is just one small example of how we have to be unified as the body of Christ at New Life Church. What will it mean for adults of the church to be strong in faith in regard to our musical style. Well, it must mean that we are willing to change. It must mean that we do not get stuck in our ways. About five years ago, the elders were encouraged to start listening to music that is more relevant to people who live in the city. About two years ago, I asked our youth director, Seth, to recommend to me the music that the, um, the youth are listening to on a regular basis. So I started about two or three years ago 
listening to 21 Pilots. I started listening to Logic. I started listening to the Chainsmokers. I started listening to Travis Scott and Drake and Kanye and, yes, little Uzi Vert. Yes, the associate pastor listens to little Uzi Vert. Now, I got to say something. Not all of the words of all these artists are appropriate. I had to take these snapshots for a reason. Okay? So when I, if you were to watch me listen to the music, it would seem very odd. Because I'd be playing it on my computer, and I get to one of these lyrics that's not appropriate. I have to stop. I have to fast forward, jump to another song. It, if you watched me, it would seem very odd. But that's the way it is. If you're going to be strong in faith. The elders, myself, we're paying attention. We are doing things that aren't maybe even comfortable for us to do. Why? Because of the unity of the body of Christ that Paul talks about in Romans. Can we have this discussion in 2018? Can we have it? I think we can have it. I think the Lord has already led us to this moment, and I think we can have it. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. How does it sound to you? The old heads, you feel a little nervous? No. My challenge to all of us today is to be strong in our faith, to serve those who are weak and welcome each other as Christ has welcomed us. In Romans 15, the Apostle Paul dreams about a church that worships God with one voice, a family of nations so united in their love for one another that their many voices sound like one voice to the God in heaven. And he gets all the pleasure. I have that same dream for New Life Church. And I bet you you do too. That is my hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the unity of the body of Christ. People from all kinds of different cultures, with all of our rules and regulations and norms, in our own culture. Serving one another, welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. An impossibility, Lord, apart from your spirit working in our hearts. My prayer is that in 2018, that is exactly what you would do here at New Life Church. And not only here, but throughout this country that is so divided. May the unity of the body of Christ Show forth this example, which is really the example of Christ, heading into death, heading into displeasure, and heading into sacrifice, not pleasing himself. Lord Jesus, we give you all the honor for your death on the cross and your resurrection power to bring your body as one. May it be so here at New Life Church. We pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you're extremely cold at this point, so let's stand on up. Let's get that blood flowing again. Uh, I'll ask the worship team to come on up and lead us out. I'll also ask the prayer teams to come up. We'll have a prayer team on each side. If something has been stirring in your spirit, maybe during the sermon or any time throughout this worship service, um, come on up. Come on up for prayer.